This is the Young Professionals Podcast, proudly brought to you by Adapt Careers, where we speak with young professionals to understand what they do in their roles day to day, how they got there, and what they've learned along the way. My name is Luke Marriott. And I am Nicholas Sargent, better known as Sarge, and we are your co-hosts. Sarge, what do our listeners need to do? To stay up to date and support what we're doing, please subscribe, like the episode, and leave a comment on any of our social channels. We can't wait to hear from you. Welcome back to another episode of the Young Professionals Podcast. We've got myself, Luke, and Sarge here. Sarge, who are we speaking with today? Luke, today we're speaking with Lauren Maracas. Lauren is a certified dietitian and nutritionist who is passionate about fad-free, evidence-based nutrition. Lauren started at university with an undergraduate degree in psychology, graduating with a Bachelor of Applied Science. She then went on to complete a Bachelor of Food Science and Nutrition and recently completed a Master's of Dietetics. Lauren currently works in a private practice at Kinematics Health and Performance in Richmond, seeing clients for a range of reasons such as gut health, weight optimization, sports nutrition, and clinical disease management. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. Um, we, we might start off with uh, just a really basic one. What does mm. a nutritionist actually do? Yeah, so there's actually a pretty big difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian. Oh, and I've, already, I've already made a mistake. <laughs> no, that's okay because I'm both. <laughs> um, so a nutritionist uh, usually has an undergraduate degree, but the term nutritionist isn't a protected term. So you could either choose to do a three-year uh, bachelor degree or you could do an online six-week course, two-week course, weekend course. Uh, so yes, as I said, it's not really a protected term, but basically they, a nutritionist has a bit more of like a public health sort of scope and really doing a bit more of that promoting nutrition. Uh, a dietitian goes through a little bit more study. So you have to complete a master's level, um, dietetics degree after that. And that really focuses more so on, uh, the clinical side of nutrition and how you can work with a team of say doctors, physios and the like to prevent and treat disease. So a, a dietitian is better qualified. Like you go deep dive into that, those, um, those topics. Yeah, exactly. We have, um, I guess a big point of difference in terms of the study structure is a dietitian is required to go through all of these like biochemistry and chemistry units to really understand human physiology. Um, it's not exactly the funnest few units for a lot of <laughs> dietitians, but it's really, really necessary to kind of learn those building blocks to then understand bigger picture nutrition physiology. So yeah, I definitely say it's a bit more complex and you definitely have a better understanding of disease and also then the requirements for prevention and treatment. And, and what are you doing in your day-to-day role? Yeah, so I, um, as you mentioned in the intro, I'm a private practice dietitian. So at the moment, it's super variable. Um, a lot of it in the beginning um, for me, because I'm the only dietitian at the practice, um, it's creating a lot of my own resources that I'll provide to clients. That takes up a lot of my time, um, especially in the, in the initial stages. So you're collating a lot of information from a lot of different databases and making sure it's appropriate um, for your client. So you're really trying to translate what's in the literature to your patient. 
When you're saying um, databases, Laura, sorry to Lauren, yes. brother, sorry to jump in. Um, are they uh, like journal articles and stuff like that that you're accessing, say, through like a university example, or is it client data that's already existing at the practice and you're bringing it together for to tell the story of some sort? Yeah, so it's more like your scientific data. Um, you're really that's something you learn in university is how to read research papers and how to kind of extract that and make it applicable to a real world setting. Um, and so that is definitely a really big role in private practice as well is trying to bridge that gap between what's in the literature and what um, your client is capable of or what sort of modifications they can make. Uh, so that is one really big aspect of my life at the moment. And then the other half, I guess, is seeing clients. So at the moment, I work two days a week in that role. And as a lot of other dietitians might know, that is usually after hours. So either early mornings, late afternoons or the weekends, you really want to have your availability there around your clients who usually work that nine to five. Um, and in those, if you want to go into a lot of like the nitty gritty in terms of what it's like seeing a client, um, usually your first session is really like a get to know you. Uh, you're really getting to know what their past medical history is, what they like to do. If that's physical activity, who does the shopping and cooking, what a daily, um, day on their plate looks like. Uh, you're also prior to the consult looking at any sort of test results they might send your way. So a GP might've um, completed some blood tests um, and you can look at that, decipher that and yeah, discuss it with your patient accordingly. So that's one aspect of my life. But then as, as um, a lot of dietitians know, when you're first starting out, uh, it's really tricky to get a full-time role. So I also do a little bit of voluntary work as well. Um, and that's more so in uh, like a peak body. So I'm working under the government of health to help implement changes quite broadly. So in a few different settings like hospitals, um, schools, and then in like sporting centers as well. Um, and then I'm also an admin assistant just to top it all off. He's juggling a few plates <laughs> yeah. there. I'm spinning a few plates. Um, yeah, that's it. There's heaps to unpack there and I'm pretty keen to get get into them because I, I, I think there's a lot that Sarge and I can learn rather on top of what everyone else can learn as well. But um, a couple of things that I wanted to explore just there is, you know, as a, a lay person that doesn't really understand the industry that much, if I, if I, you know, hurt, hurt my foot or, you know, have, have some kind of pain. I know I go to the doctor. What would be um, a concern of mine if I was going to say, right, I need to go and see a nutritionist or, or a dietitian? What, what um, uh, I guess, issues are clients coming to you with and, and why do they come? Yes, that can be really, really broad. So it can be anything from someone experiencing an allergy, say if they have a milk allergy and we'll discuss other ways to get the main sources that you find in milk or it could be um, a more of like a clinical issue. So if someone has uh, really high cholesterol or if they have chronic kidney disease, they can come to a dietitian for that because nutrition management plays a really big part in it. Uh, and you also see a lot of people coming to you for weight management as well. And that goes both ends of the spectrum as well. It's um, weight loss as well as uh, gaining weight. You see a lot of people... Um, who are maybe later on in life trying to gain weight. So coming up with strategies for that, as well as uh, athletes. I work with a lot of athletes who are wanting to gain weight as well. 
So yeah, it can be super, super broad and it really can um, even we've had a few, I've had a few clients come in recently and they just really want to unpack nutrition myths as well and kind of make sure that they're on track to uh, really living their best as well. And I guess that's a bit more of like that health promotion piece rather than your actual clinical knowledge. If you're getting clients coming to you with a whole range of things that they want to talk about or explore, and also they are a complete range of people in terms of age and ethnicities and backgrounds and and all of that, that would be hard in and of itself. But you obviously have to be quite across the literature in that. Like, how, how do you stay up to date? Um, it's not like you've gone to uni and now you've got this skill that you can just apply every day and you just replicate that. Like, you're obviously having to keep up with everything. What does that look like? Yeah, definitely. It really is ever-changing, especially in nutrition. Things will change day-to-day, year-to-year for sure. Uh, and I guess the way I go about that, as a dietitian, you're, you're required to have a certain level of um, professional development each year. And this is usually about 30 hours, but you'll find that in our industry, we tend by nature just to go over um, just because we usually are quite curious and there is a lot of uh, forthcoming information. Uh, Dietitians Australia, which is the board that I'm registered to, they will usually send out a lot of information in terms of recent articles that have come out, recent products um, that have come to be. And not only that, you, I definitely uh, find myself going towards podcasts and books uh, that you see in mainstream media because you need to keep up to date with not only the research that um, is reputable, you also need to know about the fad diets that are out there as well because then you can uh, either debunk them or have that chat with the clients about why it may not be best or why it may work for them. You mentioned um, Dietitians Australia. Mm. Um, What's the structure of the industry like? In terms of uh, well, what dietitians are, are they a like company? a regulatory body, and you have to um, become a member of theirs? Like, is that a mandatory thing? Yeah. So, in order to be, once you complete the masters, um, you're a dietitian, and then if you register with Dietitians Australia, you're a registered, um, like you're an accredited practicing dietitian, and that gives you definitely a leg up because then clients, when they come see you, they can claim with their private health insurance, which is a really, really big plus for them as opposed to just being a dietitian where you can't. Uh, And that comes with while you pay like that annual membership fee, it also comes with a level of support that you can obtain from them as well. Uh, And that can look like, as I mentioned, them providing you with journal articles and upskilling patient resources, Uh, especially they've been a great resource at the moment with everything going to telehealth. So they've really been the ones that have been reaching out to the private health insurers and seeing if um, they'll get on board with uh, covering telehealth appointments. Interesting. That's I certainly mm-hmm. didn't know that. So that's what one one learning for me today. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you you um you you studied a undergraduate degree in psychology, so you weren't straight into um, dietetics. Um, what what piqued your interest in dietetics, and how did you get there? Yeah. Um. I guess during my psychology degree, I really enjoyed learning about human behavior. And I really loved the theoretical side of things and understanding why people do the things they do. But I found myself in my spare time, uh, really drawn towards nutrition research. Um, I really, 
I'm quite an active person and really enjoy sports. So I really liked learning about how I could improve my performance through nutrition. And that was really taking up all my spare time. So I got to the point towards the end of my degree where I thought, I'm loving this so much. Why would I not make that my career rather than psychology? And with that said, there were just so many transferable skills like food and in my mind, food and psychology are so interlinked and behavior change is such a big aspect of what I do, especially in clinic. So it really ended up being a nice natural transition. And there were so many skills that I could take from my psych degree that really um, benefited and blended well with nutrition. On, on that, um, Lauren, you mentioned that uh, well, you're obviously working in private practice, but I would imagine that um, nutritionists obviously and, and dietitians have a place in um, more formal settings like hospitals and, and maybe rehabilitation. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. Can you step through maybe some other environments or, or um, aspects of the, the medical field that uh, people with a, a dietitian label would actually be working in rather than just private practice? Yeah, definitely. Uh, So as you mentioned, a dietitian can work in a hospital and that's your job, your role within there is working with the multiple disciplinary team. Uh, So that would be the treating doctor, the physiotherapist, the food service team, uh, and you're working all together just to basically have the best patient outcome possible. And again, this is where you'll see a lot of really acute cases. So it could be someone in ICU and you would be figuring out their energy requirements that they'd have to be tube fed. Uh, Another really common presentation a dietitian sees in a hospital is malnutrition. So figuring out the best way for them to increase their energy intake. Uh, Then you have people say um, who are on dialysis uh, for chronic renal disease. uh, And there's a a lot of considerations there in terms of the micronutrients. And so having that education with the patient is really important. So that's your clinical setting. And you can actually have dietitians in food service as well. So you're working in hospitals, but uh, working towards Uh, creating really good and wholesome menus and you definitely see the benefit of having a dietitian as part of the food service team so that's not always common due to budgets Um, for instance I did my placement at Peter Mac uh, and was shadowing the food service dietitian there and it was fantastic to see we were doing looking at patient satisfaction and in terms of the food which you can you'd usually predict it'd be pretty grim in a hospital (laughs) Um, but this is a it was just a really nice um, outcome to say that people were really enjoying the food and that has a lot to do with the dietitian not only trying to make it healthy but also tasty. Um, so that's another aspect. And I also touched on, uh, my volunteer work, uh, where I'm working under the department of health. So you can also work in a peak body as well. Um, so that work is with nutrition Australia, which again is a, uh, big organization where they have branches in each state and they're working to improve the food environment in public settings. So again, such as hospitals, um, and your workplaces and the like, uh, and there you're really working quite broadly and quite in a macro setting. So you're not necessarily working with clients per se one-on-one, but you're really creating that broad change to make the basically the healthier choice, the easiest choice. Mm. That makes and a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It sounds like the, um, and I might've misheard, but the, the more clinical setting is 
for the dietitians and you want, if you do undertake the, the post-grad study uh, to become a dietitian, you are really moving by the sounds of things more towards the medical side of, of things. Is that a, mm. a, an okay way to sum that up or have I kind of missed, missed the, missed the no, wording it's, it's actually a really fair statement. I definitely think uh, the masters really gear you towards a clinical setting, uh, namely purely a hospital setting, which to be honest, I think is a bit of a flaw in the master's system or that, um, that body because there's just so many other roles. And I know for me personally, I had absolute tunnel vision during my master's and so did everyone else that I was with, that it was like, okay, hospital. And that's it. That is a gold standard. That is all you can do. That's all you want to do. And you really do have those blinkers on, but uh, there's hardly any jobs in that area, especially now with COVID happening. Um, And I, I really credit it to someone, a guest speaker coming in and she really wanted to hone in on us that there are so many aspects to there's so many skills that you can apply in other settings and even places like food industry where you're really highly sought after because you have food technology skills you have nutrition skills and you have um, like an understanding of what people like and what their food patterns are so yes to answer your question it definitely you're geared towards a clinical setting but you have so many other skills that you can apply to other areas as well just to go back a few steps you mentioned that it's quite hard to get um experience in the industry um how did you get your first um stab at it yeah so my first stab at it was basically due to there being i just found that there was no um like no nutrition voluntary experiences that really fit what I wanted to do. And I saw all these people go overseas and do these cool trips, whether it was like, you know, physios in India or, um, you know, doing dentistry in Nepal or something really cool. And there was just nothing really for nutrition. Uh, so I ended up contacting a company and that did health promotion trips. And I asked them if they would be interested in doing a nutrition trip and they were really open to it. So basically I recruited 15 people from um, my degree, but as well as other unis in in Melbourne um, and set up this trip where we would go to Thailand and we would go to two different schools and we basically just provided really basic nutrition education uh, for two weeks. And it was awesome, a really, really amazing experience and it really honed my abilities to not only like not for just like nutrition skills but also leadership and taking initiative and it really paid off now for now um, it's something I always bring up in job interviews and it's a really nice like different piece that people don't often hear about Um, so that I guess was my first kind of start in terms of voluntary experiences Um, and then from, yeah, sorry. Taking, taking initiative is a bit of an understatement there. You've gone and you've (laughs) gone and created your own trip to get some experience. Like that's pretty awesome. It, um, it was, it was such a good trip and it was really nice to have a team behind me to support me as well. But I think in the industry there, the opportunities are really hard to come by. So you do have to really make them for yourself. On, on that Lauren, in industries where in the opportunities are hard, hard to come by and, you know, we've spoken to a few people and it seems to be more so in the health sector now just given the environment. 
what your I suppose your example is obviously a very good one if you, if you can do that but what are some other examples that people could be keeping in mind or some strategies that they could be employing say they're in you know the back end of their degree or even in in high school and wanting to figure out what an industry in in nutrition or in dietetics would look like if they were to go down that path how could they put their feelers out so to speak and go and meet some people or get some experience yeah um, I think it's really important to think quite laterally when it comes to this sort of thing. So basically the way that I got my private practice job now is um, the place that I work were hiring a admin assistant and I looked at the job and it was the exact sort of private practice that I would want to set up in as a dietitian. It was the exact sort of clientele I wanted um, and close to home. It was just ticking all my boxes. So, and I knew I had, I already had admin admin experience. So I applied for the job. And when I went in for the interview, I said, yep, great. I have X amount of years experience in admin, but I also have a dietetics degree. And I really want to start with you guys. You're aligned with my uh, values and this is where I want to be. So that's how basically I got my first job during COVID. So I got it, I think two or three months ago. Um, and that's where you're at now, kinematics. Yeah, that's where I'm at now. So I think it's really important to think laterally. And even while I was at uni, I made a point of whatever part-time job I, um, obtained, it had to somehow fit either that's meeting similar sort of like-minded people or being in the industry. Um, my job previous to this one was also an admin assistant at a a different private private practice and they had a dietitian there and I was really strategic in applying there knowing that I wanted to observe the dietitian. Uh, so that really uh, cemented for me that I wanted to go and do my master's after having those observation experiences. Yeah, I think it's really important to, as you say, like go and see what someone does. You might have this thought that, oh, that would be great to be that insert the blank. Um, but thinking laterally, as, as you said, and get an admin role so you can just look from the other side of the room what that person actually does day to day is a really smart move. Um, this might be, uh, I might need to prod the memory a little bit more. So let me know. But in our uh, intro, in our chat before this um, chat today, you said that you employed a strategy to make sure that people knew what you were studying. So you could increase the likelihood of, um, you know, chance happening and, and you getting a, a position or whatever, when it does come up, can you mm-hmm. run us through, through that and how, how that worked out for you? Yeah. Someone told me once, and this piece of advice has always stuck with me that with everyone you meet, uh, tell them what you do and tell them what you're interested in. And that telling someone what you do and what you like, doesn't come across as grubby or you're trying to one up yourself or get yourself somewhere. I think that's quite a natural thing for someone to want to know about you. And you just never know where that may lead. Someone may know someone who knows someone who knows someone. uh, And that can lead to a connection, whether that's an internship or a conversation about the industry or even a job. And uh, I've taken that advice and really ran with it and it has really helped me to connect with people. Um, it's led to having a few conversations, um, with people in the food industry, uh, and then giving them, giving me a little bit more understanding and exposure to what a dietitian's role is there. Uh, and just so I can figure out what roles are available to me. But now I feel as though if I was wanting to go down the food industry sector, I now have people to call upon 
No, I think that, that that's a great wrap. And uh, certainly when we had that chat, I when we hung up, I was like, oh, that's really smart. <laughs> I need to start doing that. Um, so yeah, I think that certainly, particularly if people are, you know, students in, in year 11 or year 12 or even front end of uni, if you think that you are interested in something, it doesn't matter what it is, um, you know, even if you're at friends' houses and talking to their parents mm. or whatever it is, um, say what you're interested in because you never know where they might work and they might say, hey, come along on Friday afternoon and I'll show you what it's like to work at that environment and then you know. Um, so I think that's a really good point. Um, why don't you t- take us back to, say, your undergrad in psychology maybe um, but moving more into the nutrition um, side of things. Can you n- narrow down a little bit as to what studying nutrition as, a, as an undergrad and then studying dietitian dietetics sorry as a um as masters what what does a, an undergrad study period look like um in, in that space like what are the uh are the contact hours like what's the workload like um is it hard to manage part-time work that that kind of thing mm. uh so i found both the psych degree and the, the nutrition degree reasonably like intermediate to light on in terms of contact hours i think i'd experience anywhere between maybe 10 hours of hours where I had to, I had to be there. Uh, I tended not to attend lectures just purely because of my way of learning. Uh, I don't really do too well with people, um, with trying to take in information auditorily for an hour. I prefer to pause it, take my time, write out my notes. Um, so I definitely found it manageable. I worked throughout my whole undergrad and masters as well. Um, to, and to a pretty, I'd work about three days a week and then I'd be at uni maybe two or three days a week. And in terms of what the nutrition, uh, undergrad involves it, I guess it's a lot more, it's really health promotion centered. So you're really learning about all the food groups. You're learning about food policy. You're learning about how your food gets from farm to plate. Um, and there's a bit of sustainability in there as well, which is a really interesting and emerging space as well. But I definitely felt as though after nutrition, I think I might have had in the back of my head that I knew I wanted to work with clients and I didn't feel as though the undergraduate degree really gave me those skills to be like, okay, great, this is what your energy requirements are because of X, Y, Z. I didn't feel like I had that capability and that's why I really wanted to go on to do the dietetics degree. And then you get you get into dietetics. What What is the, um, like what's the core focus there and how does that build into actually, um, being in a position where you can consult clients? Mm. Um, so the masters, I went to Deakin university in Melbourne and that's a year and a half course. So you have six months of coursework and then one year of placement. And during the six months of coursework, you're really going, you're literally going through all the common disease states, uh, figuring out what the nutrition requirements are and all of the nutrition considerations. So you're going into a lot of detail each week and it's really, really intensive. Uh, and you're also going through how to calculate energy requirements, how to calculate um, how much energy is in food, how much protein, fat and carbs are in food. Uh, so you're cooking for people, you're cooking once a week, you're coming up with um, like a day on a plate for different case studies. Uh, and I really enjoyed that class. Actually, I found it really good to visually see how much food uh, different types of people would need. And then in the latter half of the course, you have I had um, three placements. So that was a food service 
community placement uh, and a clinical placement, which was in a hospital. Uh, I was meant to do a uh, like a one week placement, like elective placement where you picked it, but unfortunately COVID happens so that ended up not happening. Uh, but you do get that in the future for any uh, Deacon listeners. <laughs> Are there any other um, uh, options for, for dietetics if you want to do that as a master's? Uh, in, in, you know, we can obviously talk to Melbourne um, as a location. Is Deakin kind of the preeminent university for that? Like say Latrobe is for um, physio and, and whatnot or is it kind of spread mm. across different uni- unis? Yeah, it's spread across different unis. I think what led me to doing it at Deakin was because it was a bit shorter. It was a year and a half um, and I liked the spread of the placements. I believe Monash does it as well and Swinburne have a new course and Swinburne's course is actually looks really interesting because it's just emerging they really have to try and have a point of difference compared to the other unis that have it. So while my food service placement was at a hospital, I think they were looking to do theirs in like a prison. So having really different um, food service environments um, and they're quite innovative from what I've seen in terms of how they're going about their masters. Um, But yeah, there's a few different places and there's a few different places in Australia as well. Uh, Deakin, I think was one of the first in Australia and it's really well renowned uh and it's quite competitive to get into which uh yeah really led me to striving for that you you've done well to get in and get through it thank you so much (laughs) (laughs) if um just looking back on your time if you could um give yourself some advice that you might not necessarily have actually listened to um what what do you think that would be Mm. I think it's what I said before in terms of thinking laterally is really important. Um, Where you, the job that you get, even if it's your first job or your voluntary experience, even if it's not exactly the sort of work you want to be doing, all of those are kind of like a building block to get you to where you want to be. So I think that's really important to think laterally uh, and also to open yourself up to doing voluntary work. Um, yes, it, it's unpaid, but the way you do get paid is just so many experiences as well as that um, networking opportunity as well, I think is really, really important. I think that positive mindset is super important, both in your in your lateral point in that, oh, okay, well, how can I, how can I get there? Maybe it's not the most direct path, but it is a path. And even if I go sideways, I'm getting closer to where I want to be. Mm. So that's um, like, that's a good thing. Mm. And also, I guess to add to that, you do have to be kind to yourself. It is a really competitive industry and you are going to be told no a lot and not to let that dishearten you and not to take it personally. It is the industry you're in. And actually on that, asking for feedback is really, really important. So you can make the most of that experience. On that, Lauren, before our chat today, you mentioned mm. that um, it is quite hard to, one, volunteer experience or any experience to get in your foot in the door is super important in any industry, but it's especially hard to even get that experience in, in your industry. What are some strategies you think that younger people could um, employ to heighten their chances of, of that happening? And you know, let, let's just assume that the borders in Australia are open again and you can travel. Is is traveling mm. to a different city or region regionally um, to get that experience something that people might have to factor into a reality or even overseas? Like what are some, mm. um, I guess, uh, ways that people can, as you say, think laterally about how to get what, what they need in an environment that's hard to, hard to do that? I think the one thing that everyone's learned in this industry is now the world has become 
a lot smaller with the likes of social media and having to do teleconsults. Everything is quite, um, you can do a lot online now. So I think that gives a lot of students a really great opportunity to reach out to dietitians that they see online or dietitians that they aspire to be, contact them because even if they're in a different state, different country, there are so many ways of overcoming that now. Um, and I think in terms of like, I know for me personally right now, things that are taking up a lot of my time that isn't paid work is things like the resource making, which takes a really long time. Um, there is a lot of room for voluntary students to come in and be making those uh, infographics and education pieces for dietitians. Uh, I know for me, when I was an undergrad, I did a few educational pieces and then in return, I got to observe. Uh, so it's really thinking about as a student, you have these skills that you can be providing. It may not necessarily be nutrition-esque skills, but you do have skills that you're learning at uni, whether that's you know how to write a blog or you know how to write an infographic. Um, there's that sort of legwork that you are able to do that you can provide uh, for people who are working in, in the industry. And we've all been through it. We all know how hard it is. So I find that people that I have reached out to are really open to helping you get to where you want to be as well. So just don't be scared to ask. On that, this is a bit of a, of a random one, but I think it's also mm. important. In, in any job, there's uh, parts to it where you know, you're at uni and getting that, that skill set and you think that's it, but say, um, what you touched on there, being able to, or having to collate infographics and work with data and work with different journal articles and present that to a client, um, is a skill in and of itself. Are there, mm. you know, those practical little skills in, from a technical standpoint in terms of using different softwares that, um, students could be, you know, doing short courses on or watching YouTube videos to get better at, are there any particular recommendations on the, on that uh, line of thinking? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Canva becomes your best friend. Uh, people that know how to use Canva are highly, highly sought after. I do not have much of a creative brain. So seeping that um, knowledge and expertise from others has really helped. Uh, What's Canva just for people that don't know? Yeah. So Canva is basically an online platform where you can create infographics, posters, PowerPoint presentations, and they basically have all the tools in place, whether that's photos, text boxes, um, ways to link yourself to websites and that sort of thing. It's all in one cohesive uh, place. So that's just been an absolute saving grace in terms of rather than providing a client, just a word document that just has dot points that's really hard for people to engage with. I've really found that using Canva and creating a document that's a lot more engaging really helps the patient outcome. They're a lot more engaged with what you're telling them. Um, so that is definitely something I think as an emerging dietitian, you, you need to have that sort of um, tech savvy brain uh, to really be able to reach a client in other ways other than, other than just verbally educating them. So that's one side of it. Uh, the other that I am also looking into upskilling is via Excel. Excel will become your best friend in terms of equations and the like. It's definitely been an interesting learning curve for me, but uh, with a few friends in that sort of space that are Excel wizards much more than myself, uh, it's really interesting to see how dietetics can become a lot more efficient when you have a spreadsheet in front of you. So I guess what I mean by that is you can basically put in, okay, it's a male, 
he's 25, he's working out three times a week. This is his goal weight. Um, and then it basically just all populates and it spits out and tells you how many calories I need to be having a day and what their macros look like. And if you do that manually, it would take me like 15, 15 or 20 minutes. But this is, this means that you have instant access to all of that data, which mm. is a real time saver. So highly recommend Excel as well. I think, I think that's great advice. And I think for anyone listening, um, some basic knowledge in Excel for any, um, industry or any role is super important because Excel is literally just a big calculator. So, Mm. um, knowing, knowing your way around Excel, um, particularly in the dietetic space here is extremely useful. Yes. Big game changer. (laughs) Just a bit of an obscure one. Um, we really want to be able to give, um, any students listening some, practical tips of what they can be doing and something stood out to me uh, of what you just said then you know if you're working as a dietitian you'll be wanting to provide uh these say pdfs or or whatever information in a way that's graphically pleasing could something um that students could do to stand out in a competitive environment be to make one of them uh for their own say resume um or an application and and say hey here's my infographic about who i am instead of submitting you know the the same cover letter that gets peddled to everyone um and the same to whom it may concern email um is that something that's a little bit thinking outside the box I think you definitely have to pick and choose your industry. Like I know with clinical, it's very much a very traditional sort of approach to applying for jobs. But with that said, um, whereas the food industry is a super innovative space and I think they'd really appreciate that creativity to be able to see that side of, of your brain. Not only that, I think that then the um, thoughts of like infographics and that sort of creative side really lends well then to social media. Uh, and I know that a lot of people that are hiring will be looking at your social media and seeing that you have, um, if you can show that you have an Instagram that's based on nutrition and the work that you do, you can show that you're creative with your recipe creations. You can show that you're able to engage with an audience and you're able to provide information in um, layman's terms and ways that's quite concise. And that's exactly what you're doing in real life as well. So I guess that's a really important point to touch on is that's a really um, great and unique way that you can stand out is having that social media piece. And that's basically like your portfolio. That's interesting. I would, I would never have thought of using uh, social media as a, as a means to, to advertise um, like in the dietetic space and build a portfolio like that. So mm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it is really good. And I guess that's also a really good way to then network as well, because you're adding other dietitians, you're getting ideas of, you know, what research papers you could be looking at or other recipes that you could be providing to clients. It's a really, really good tool. On that, Lauren, in on the networking um, point, and we can touch on this briefly before wrapping up, but um, is the is the industry say, obviously you can speak to Melbourne, is it tight knit? Is it growing? Uh, is it easy to, to meet new people? And then you kind of have an idea of who rules the roost and who doesn't, um, or is it kind of too big for that? Um, what's your experience in the industry from, from a network networking perspective? Yeah, the pool is definitely very, very small, which I think works really nicely and works in our favor because we're all trying to champion this one industry and we're trying to, um, really champion the work that we're doing. So I think as a field, we're really trying to come together collectively to show our presence in different industries and really show our worth. Um, and I haven't found it. I found 
the people that I have reached out to who I haven't known, who haven't been in my circle again, to be really approachable. And even if they, you know, can't provide me that voluntary work or they don't have time to chat, they will find another option, whether that's, oh, but this person is looking for voluntary work or chat to me in six months and we'll see where I'm at. I think everyone is really understanding and extremely like-minded in terms of we want to do everything we can to kind of get our profession on the map and show how valuable the work is that we do. I think that's great advice. And I think it's awesome that you say that um, everyone in the dietetic space is trying to champion the industry. Mm, Yeah, it is really good. It's really, really nice. And it comes through in a lot of different spaces and even, you know, for the food industry where you feel as though maybe a dietitian wouldn't necessarily be, it's expanding. Like it's a really great time to be a dietitian because health and wellness is really on the forefront of more and more people's minds. And with that, companies are looking at ways to create that competitive edge with their products and a dietitian is a really good way to do it. So while there's not a lot of jobs at the moment, I really see it growing and growing, growing as time goes on because we always need food and, you know, being healthy is becoming more and more of a priority as well. Oh, particularly while we're all stuck at home and probably our act- activity is not as high as it probably should be. I think that's a great thing. And if, you know, big organizations that are producing mass produced food are uh, being incentivized to, to bring dietitians on board and make those things more healthy, then I think that's nothing but a good thing for sure. Um, just uh, a last one before we wrap up, Lauren, what is some, and this is a, this is stolen from the great man, Tim Ferriss, who's a, a very good podcaster. Uh, if anyone <laughs> wants to jump on, on that podcast, but he uh, likes to ask his guests, if you could put a, a sentence or, or a motto up on a, up on a billboard for thousands or millions of people to say, um, probably aimed at say, you know, high school or university students coming into the industry. What would, what would that be that you would want them to, to see and, and really take on board? That is a hard one, guys. You've stumped me there. Good job. Or is there any really good advice that you received when you were younger um, that you have really kind of put into place and, and you still hold dear? I think as cheesy as it might sound, and I think I've touched on it before, one thing that again is coming up for me again and again and again is feedback is really key, whether that's uh, constructive or positive. It's really something that helps you grow throughout your career. Uh, And it's something that's definitely stuck with me. And I think it comes back to playing a lot of um, team sports as a kid where you're constantly provided feedback and you just take it on and you run with it. So I've never really seen feedback, even if it is constructive as a negative thing. Uh, And I think that's something that's really championed in a lot of industries where you're happy to take on that feedback understand where you could do better or where you could improve or excel and move forward. Uh, especially in this industry where things are ever changing, you need to take on, you know, a piece of research is feedback for you that you need to change your clinical practice or think about it in another aspect. So I think that's key throughout your career. Absolutely. And I think that applies to um, any space, like you said, like particularly playing the, you know, your team sport, you really learn that. But I think that's something like you said that we should all, um, hold true once we're in the workforce. Mm, definitely. Well, thanks for coming on the show today, Lauren. It's been um, an absolute pleasure to to learn about dietetics and, and the different places that that can take you. Thanks for having me, guys. Loved now I can it. actually say that word with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for coming on, Lauren. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a profession you would like to know more about, a question you would like us to ask, or a story you would like to tell, please reach out to us on the social channels at either the Young Professionals Podcast, TYPPAU, or our personal profiles. We'd love to hear from you.